Aptus Leadership Podcast 111, Philosophy of the Word. Now, last week we started talking about the church leader's responsibility in preaching and teaching the Word of God, and we called it Word Ministry. And we, we said that we have a responsibility in whatever context God has planted us in to give the substance of preaching and teaching, give the substance of the Word of God to the people that are in our ministry. Now, this week, I kind of want to talk about the philosophy of word ministry. So you don't want to just know how to do something. You want to know why you want to do it. And you want to know the why behind what you are actually doing. You can only be competent in a task when you understand the why behind the task. You can only be truly competent with the task when you're intimately familiar with the inner workings of the task. Let me give you an example. Anyone can get into a car, turn it on, and press the gas and drive forward. However, you need to have an intimate familiarity with the car, with the vision of where you want to end up. You need to understand the car's abilities and limitations if you actually want to be a good driver. And this is why a lot of people roll the vehicle, because they they get distracted. They start to go into a ditch, so they overcompensate. They overcorrect for that error, and they ultimately end up rolling the car. So preaching and teaching the Word of God is more than just a devotion. It's more than public speaking. There's a spiritual element that's at play, and that practical element is also at play. So you you have like two wings of an airplane. You have the spiritual aspect that makes this preaching and teaching effective, but there's also a practical aspect that makes it comparable for people to actually hear it. So this week, we want to kind of focus a little bit more on defining what is word ministry, what is preaching and teaching. And then next week, we're going to talk a little bit more of the practical, uh, how we actually formulate a, you know, a Bible study or a sermon or a talk, because we want to be competent in this as church leaders. If, if our number one responsibility is to give people the word, then we want to be competent in doing the most important tasks that we have. Now, I remember when I was a kid, going to a Speed the Light rally. If you're not familiar with what Speed the Light is, Speed the Light is the missions giving organization for the youth ministry within the Assemblies of God. And they had a rally trying to get us young people fired up for missions. And there was a guy there who was the real deal missionary. This, this was a guy who actually went to third world countries and went and preached to people that had never heard about Jesus before. He, he, he was boots on the ground. He was, he was not going on vacations. He was going to do work. And, and he went to this one village in a third world country. And I don't remember exactly the country he went to, but he preached to the people there and God did something. I mean, there was, there was a ton of people that got saved in this, in this, in this village. Uh, people were coming to Christ. There was joy within in the village and and people were just happy. There was hope. There was excited. However, in the middle of this celebration, there was one woman who came up bawling. She was hysterical and she's just crying out and yelling at this man. And so through the interpreter, he was able to determine what she was crying about. And she asked the question, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And of course the missionary said, yes. And she said, my husband died last week. And if what you're saying is true, then he is in hell. Why didn't you come sooner? And man, watching that missionary tell that story and with tears in his eyes rolling down his cheeks, he was heartbroken to hear that. And, and, and he said, look, we need to be motivated because this is eternity for people and we need to tell them the good news. So it's very easy for us as church leaders to get wrapped up in quote unquote church work that we forget the most important thing that we're ever going to do and that's tell somebody about Jesus Christ. And this is why we want to take three weeks in our staff leadership podcast to refresh ourselves with the responsibility of the word ministry, the philosophy of the word ministry, and the structure of the word ministry. So for the sake of the rest of this conversation today, I'm going to be using the word preaching 
but I'm going to be using it in place of teaching word ministry. So when I say preaching, this can be you having a one-on-one conversation where you're individually discipling someone. It could be a small group. It could be a Bible study, or it could be preaching on Sunday or Wednesday. Uh, I'm using this interchangeably, so just bear with me on that. Now, I need to read to you perhaps the most important passage in the Bible when it comes to getting clarity on preaching, and that's out of 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 verse 18 through chapter 2, verse 5. And so it's a little bit wordy, uh, and I need to read it all to you, so just bear with me for a second. But here's what the Bible says, starting verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, push pause real quick. You'll notice that the Apostle Paul is now quoting the Bible. That's very important here, okay? Back to verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will throw. Now, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God that through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than man. For consider your own calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him who you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, notice he's quoting the Bible again, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you a testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. Arguably, the second greatest preacher of all time, the Apostle Paul, is now laying out for us the purpose and the power of preaching. And he says some amazing things. So in our conversation today, what I want to do is I want to answer five questions about biblical preaching, teaching, word ministry. And, and, and through these, we're going to start developing a philosophy of what accurate Bible teaching is. Question one, what is biblical teaching and preaching? When we say preaching, what in the world are we actually talking about? And here's what I want to do. I want to define preaching as the following. It is a declaration of the word of God for the glory of God. When you think about what we just read the Apostle Paul say, when you think about what preaching really is and you narrow it down, you start to see what preaching is not, right? Preaching is not moral behavioral modification. 
You know, we're not standing up there trying to get people just to live good lives. That's not what preaching is about. Preaching is not good advice so that people's lives are easier. Is the Bible full of good advice? Yes. Is the Bible full of behavior modification uh, commandments? Yes. But that's not the that's not the total point of preaching. Preaching is also not an information transfer where we're trying to make people smarter. We're not just trying to get them to have a higher biblical IQ. That, that's not the goal. These are all byproducts of preaching, but they're not the purpose of preaching. Preaching is a declaration of the word of God for the glory of God. Now, you, you might say, okay, so how does God get glory from preaching? Well, when I declare his character from his word, when I declare his nature from his word, when I just declare his word in general, he's getting the glory for it. When someone gets saved, he gets the glory. When someone's life is changed, he gets the glory. When someone is conformed to the image of Christ, God gets the glory. So if our preaching fails, if our teaching fails, if our Bible study fails to bring glory to the Lord, then we have failed to preach or teach properly. It's important to remember that preaching is not behavior modification. And this is, this is what a lot of us get sucked into when we start preaching and teaching, is that we're trying to, we're trying to modify somebody's behavior before we, we, we plant the seed of the gospel in their heart. So what we do a lot of times is we preach against stuff. And, and there's, there's nothing necessarily wrong with, with giving people the commandments of, of the Scripture. There's a lot of them there. I mean, we're, we're not to sin. We are to bear fruit of the Spirit. But if all we're trying to do is, be, is change their behavior, then we're not really preaching to anything. And, and how this tends to manifest itself over and over again is that we preach against sin without ever actually preaching someone to Christ. And, and there's a big difference in preaching against sin without preaching someone to Christ. We need to constantly be pointing people to Jesus, and when they get to Jesus, then we can talk about the sin. Then we can say, look, when you follow Jesus, this needs to change. But if we never lead them to Jesus, we're just trying to preach behavior modification. So we need to, be make, we need to make sure that our preaching is declaring the word of God for the glory of God. That's what preaching is. Okay, question number two. Why did God choose the foolishness of preaching? I mean, of all the ways that God could choose to present the gospel, why preaching? I mean, Paul acknowledges in this passage that preaching is really foolish. I mean, it's, it's interesting in our modern day, if you think about it, that people still come hear anyone preach. I mean, it makes maybe a little bit more sense in Paul's day, and Paul said it's foolish that people would actually come listen to us. But in today's world, when you have TV and you have all this different media, why in the world does anybody still come listen to preaching? Because there's something about preaching that just works. Uh, God, has, God has anointed preaching. This is evidence that God is honoring preaching more than he's honoring just the words coming from the human lips. There's something about this medium where one beggar is telling another beggar to, where to find bread that God has chosen to work. According to our passage that we just read, there is a connection point from the power of the gospel to the hearers of the word, and that connection point is preaching. Preaching is the pipeline. It's the conduit. It's the avenue that God has chosen to spread the gospel. And I, I think there's several reasons for why God has chosen preaching. And, and for those of us that have a responsibility to minister the word, we need to remember these reasons. I, I think it's because God is always speaking. Everything that God does in Scripture seems to involve his speaking. We talked about this a little bit last week. Genesis 1, the first thing we learn about God is that when he speaks, things happen. So it would make sense that in this regard, God wants to use words to get the good news out to people. If you think about it, uh, people are wired in such a way that words have a profound impact on their life. Many of the most exhilarating experiences in life 
and most of the traumatic experiences in life all revolve around someone's words to us. I also think it's important to remember, according to our passage, that preaching is foolishness. Preaching is foolishness. So the only way that preaching is going to be is effective is if Christ opens the heart of the listener. God wants to speak, and he wants to use the weak things and the foolish things to subvert the strong and the proud. And so our words are so inadequate to change someone's life. But when God anoints our words and we're preaching the gospel, we're preaching the word of God, there's power in it. God uses a weak vessel so that he's glorified. So when we preach, we need to be, we need to be diminished and he needs to be glorified in our preaching. You know, this is why Romans 10 tells us that it says in verse 14, it says, how then can they call on them who they have not believed? And how can they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they going to preach unless they're sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So God wants to use the weak, broken things. That's us in order to make his name great and his word great. That's why God used preaching. Question number three. What is the goal of preaching? Okay, so I understand that preaching is declaring the word of God for the glory of God. I understand that God wants to use this foolish medium so that he's glorified. He wants to use the weak things to subvert the strong things in this world. So what is the goal of preaching? Now, let's be real. A lot of times when we go to preach, we are more concerned about our perceived delivery than we are the truth that we're putting forth. I mean, I've done it. I'm sure you've all done it. If you have taught or you have preached on a Sunday or you've led a Bible study, we always say, hey, how did I do? That, that's kind of the thing we ask. But the goal of preaching is not so that people tell us good job. The, the goal of preaching is not for people to say, wow, you're really smart. The goal of preaching is not for people to look at us as a leader. Let's be honest. That, that's the desire for ourselves. And we're going to have to battle that to overcome it. I mean, we live in a vain society. We all have a level of vanity, and we're all going to be tempted to consider our presentation more than our content. When we're, when we're teaching maybe kids on Sunday morning all the way to, you know, teenagers on Wednesday morning, I mean, when we're, when we're thinking about our delivery, sometimes we're more worried about our presentation than we are our content. That happens to all of us. So when I get up to preach, I have to have a singular focus, and that is evangelism and discipleship through an encounter of God's Word. That's what I want people to experience. If they don't know Jesus, I want them to encounter him through God's Word. If they already know Jesus, I want them to be further discipled through an encounter with God's Word. That goal is, is done when we present doctrine and correction and instruction in the Word of God in its totality. That leads us to question four. Okay, So I understand that preaching is declaring the Word of God for the glory of God, Right? I understand that God's using the weak things to subvert the strong. I understand he wants to do this in a way that doesn't always make sense to me. I understand my goal is, 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 is salvation or discipleship for the hearer. So what am, I, what am I to preach? Question four, what am I to preach? For many new pre- preachers and teachers, this is the question they wrestle with more than anything else. They're given a date. They're given an assignment and say, hey, I need you to teach next Wednesday morning, you know, uh, this discipleship group, or, hey, I need you to teach on uh, kids, men, you know, like, and then we start saying, okay, well, I got to figure out what I'm going to preach. That, that seems to be the hardest thing for most people. However, I only think it's difficult because a lot of times we start to approach sermon development by trying to formulate an idea of what we want to preach instead of being led to a passage that we're going to preach from. You see, there's a difference there. Where we sit back and say, what do I feel God wants me to talk about? Versus, God, what passage do you want me to give to the people? Because the Bible's inexhaustible. I mean, that's a thick book. There's a lot of information in there about God that brings him glory. 
So there's not a shortage of material to preach. It's just how we approach it a lot of times. You see, Paul told Timothy to preach the word. Paul did not say preach a devotion. He did not say, hey, find a good illustration. He didn't say preach a culturally relevant topic. Paul said, preach the word. However, for a lot of us, we want to start with the devotion idea, the illustration of the topic. And that works, that works okay. That works pretty good if you only preach once in a while. However, if you're preaching week in and week out, you can get redundant very quickly. You can start talking about the same things over and over and over again. So when Paul says preach the word, what he means is that we need to turn to a passage. We need to read that passage. We need to break down that passage for our hearers by properly telling them what God intended for that passage to mean to them. A lot of people think that they're preaching the Bible. They're preaching the Word because there's some Bible verses in their talk. But having some Bible verses in your talk doesn't mean that you're actually preaching the Word. What, unfortunately, a lot of preachers do is that they're proof texting. In other words, they're giving their opinions and their ideas, and then they're sprinkling some sermon or some scripture on top of it to prove what they have to say, and that's not preaching the Bible. I mean, I know I've been guilty of this, particularly when I was a young man. I'd have this idea of what I want to talk about, and then I start going looking for a scripture to prove it. And, and I'm not saying all that's wrong, but I am saying if that's how you approach sermon preaching or sermon preparation or Bible study preparation most of the time, then what you're really doing is you're giving people your opinions, and you're probably going to start getting repetitive pretty quick. But preaching needs to start, first and foremost, not with my ideas, but with a passage. And I say, God, what are you wanting to say to your people from this passage? It is, it is reading the passage and trying to get the main idea from that passage and then being applicable to the hearers about how to interact and respond to that passage in their life. This type of preaching requires you to dig into the Word, to study the Word, and most importantly, to trust the sufficiency of the Word. Because let me tell you, the temptation for you is going to be this. We have to remember that God chose the foolish and the weak things. So there are going to be passages that you're going to turn to that do not feel exciting, but you have a responsibility to give it to the people. You, you have a responsibility when you get to this passage that God leads you to that you know the hearers aren't going to want to hear. You're going to have the, you're going to have the tendency, you're going to have your flesh, the vanity is going to want to make excuses or overlook that. But we have a responsibility to give the people the full counsel of God's word. We have to remember every word on that page God put there because God wants to speak that to his people, and we have responsibility to be the herald. Question five, what makes good preaching? Let's be honest here. Most of the time we say, man, that person was a good preacher. What are we talking about? We're saying that they were really good in their delivery. I mean, that, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't, I, I don't think it's, it's wrong to want to be engaging in our communication style. I think we should be. However, good preaching is not going to be dictated by if I was entertaining or not. Good preaching is going to be dictated by the, the, the fact that I gave people good biblical teaching, regardless of the communication style or not. Did I tell them the truth from God's word and was it applicable to life? That is the question I need to answer. That's what makes a good sermon versus a bad sermon. If, if, I, if, I, if I gave them the word of God, I glorified God, I told them the truth in a way that was applicable to their life, then I did what God called me to do. If I get up there and make them laugh, I make them cry, I make them think, but I never gave them the truth that's applicable to their life, then I gave a bad sermon. We have to remember this. The word of God is the bread of life. You know, are we giving people the word of God or are we giving them stale, old, crusty, worn out, 
pieces of leftovers. We want to give people the word of God, something that they can feast on. I, w- I want to wrap this up with, uh, with another Bible verse, Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Uh, it, it's one of those where, where, where the Apostle Paul, he's talking to a woman named Lydia, and she's a seller in purple goods. And here's what the second half of verse 14 says. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And man, that's the goal of preaching. The Lord opens the word before someone, then he opens their heart to receive it, and God does a work. Think about all the services that you've ever been in where God touched your heart. That's what happened to you. The word became clear to you, it touched your heart, and it produced fruits. Now, next week we're going to talk and dive into you know some practical, how do we take this and we actually start to distill this down into writing a, a, a devotion or a sermon or what have you to give to someone else. But I want to challenge you with this. As you're reading your Bible this week, I want you to start practicing. God, what are you saying here? How is this applicable to my life? How do you want to get glory from this passage in my life? Because if we do that every single day for ourselves, when we sit down to read the word of God for ourselves, we ask good questions of the word for ourselves then we're going to be more in tune with how to take those same principles and distill them for someone else. Then we're feeding and teaching the word of God to other people. God bless you. We'll catch you next week.